Welcome back, everybody, to the Bar Talk podcast at the Relief and Resource Co. in Fenton, Michigan. I'm your host, John Foley. With me, as always, Courtney Booms. Hello there. Mark Miller. Hello, hello. And we are coming to you with episode number 21, um, back on the rum train, the rum train part three. Now that we've done our kind of, yeah. Now that we've done uh, two episodes on this and we've covered, and it took us two episodes to cover rum in general. Now we right. get to do single islands and really talk about specific geographical rum styles. So today we, as a consensus, decided Jamaica because it's all of our favorite, Indeed. or at least it's my favorite. And I talked really loud when we were talking about it. So we're doing Jamaica first and just going to focus on all of the great things about Jamaican rum and Jamaican rum as a distinctive style, which it very much is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is the time in the show, which we'd like to thank iLogic Media, our production company. Thank you very much to Jonathan Cole and everybody who at iLogic who makes this podcast listenable and fun and accessible for all you guys. So please check out their other stuff. And uh, moving along, mm-hmm. jumping into Jamaica. Well, do you, we'll do a, a tiny recap of how sugar enters the Caribbean, if you don't mind. Yeah, because this is going to be something that we're going to have to touch on a couple of times. But sugar massive is sweet product massive in terms of a world change in terms of commerce you are an idiot. and uh, that's the one note mark has about sugar. let me give you some positive notes <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't talk enough in the last podcast so i was going to be talking so sugar's much. good <laughs> but also it's it's problematic it's role in history is it extremely is. problematic yeah. in terms of colonization slave labor etc so there's not going to be uh, a way to talk about this this product without talking about that at least a, a skosh right yeah. so in the in the last episode that we covered well the first excuse me episode that we covered rum we talked about rum history so that would be i think episode four um four or five but rum is made from sugarcane which was domesticated in new guinea around 8000 bc it was the first recorded cane spirit being made in india and east asia around 500 bc um it gets taken westward into europe um through colonization usually um or invasion as well which is what that was problematic parts kind of come in but through its history wherever it went humans followed sugar basically yeah. specifically Where precisely is new guinea new guinea yes in the um island region of like southeast asia okay got it right? got it got it, got it. I think so hope i'm right new guinea between asia and africa sure hmm. near sri lanka out? near sri lanka uh other side of the coast and upward Okay. Right? I think so. Oh, yeah. Maps. Right. Southeast. Got it. Yeah. So specifically, the Dutch and Portuguese traders yes. who, who bring that sugarcane into the Caribbean wrong. later on. I need a globe. Uh, we need a globe. We should episode. get a globe in here. Yeah. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put one right. I think here. I would look very regal with a yeah. globe right next to my face. I think so. Or on your head. <laughs> if I were a globe. Yes. Yeah. This is next, uh, next skull tattoo. All oh. Right. So specifically, it's those Dutch and Portuguese traders who bring sugarcane into the Caribbean around 1425. Um, generally, these these grasses, like weeds, grow in hot and humid climates, um, and the islands are perfect for that. By 1552, re- the reports of the Caribbean governor general note that the enslaved workers on the islands were drinking basically a variation of cachaça. And like we said, the workers, the slave labor of the islands are typically who those who kind of um, inspire and then eventually run the the rum production later on. You you might have your planters or plantation owners, kind of uh, are making all the money on it, but their their workers, their laborers, their slave laborers are the ones who are making it. Sound familiar? Unfortunately. Yeah. 
a little extremely familiar. A little extremely familiar, yeah. yeah. But we mentioned this before, and it's always due to be mentioned that you know it comes uh, that rum becomes a strong form of currency, and that's yeah. why it's part of the triangle mm-hmm. trade. And that's again where the slave labor kind of gets looped back in again. So um, the British influence on the Isles is the specific influence that Jamaican rum comes from, right? Because um, we talked about this last time. Britain owns um, Demerara and Jamaica and some of the other islands, but the two most popular producers are first Demerara. So that is um, also the island of Barbados would be another way to describe that. Barbados and Guiana. Um, British uh, invaders if you like colonizers, however you'd like to form it. The colonistic uh, invaders. The colonistic yeah. invaders yes. of Britain. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, they hit the island of Barbados in 1627. They first struggle with their initial crops, but those earlier Dutch uh, traders come in and they help them out with that. Um, it only takes about two decades before the island is producing rum on the large scale. Eventually, the island gets overworked, and so they spread out. And that is where um, St. Kitts, Nevis, Monstrant, Antiqua, uh, all those other places come in. And then the absolute most popularly producing island is Jamaica. Um, specifically, it's in 1655 when the Royal Navy attacks and conquers what was the Spanish settlement. Um, and because Jamaica has an average temperature of about 73 to 78 degrees Fahrenheit, an annual rainfall of over 60 inches, and a mountainous uh, range that keeps wind from eroding a lot of the um, inner farmland with fresh rainwaters that kind of come inward as well jamaica becomes that that popular and insanely great producer yeah and with i mean they may they might take a little while to figure out how they can grow everything yeah but once that happens britain's off to the races because they have a superior navy they have production capital they have means to uh enslave and command massive labor yeah and they can distribute anything that they they make yeah britain's thing right was their navy was kind of the it was like the, the spirit of at this point yeah. what is, we're, they're on their way to becoming the richest country in the world yeah. yes yeah. um and, and this is a, is this when really around the time where spain and portugal portugal fade and britain right. starts advancing globally yeah yeah and yeah. and so along with you know france and the dutch i mean they can they're they can put their product anywhere they want yeah. yeah and make you buy it yeah and british colonists they immediately build port royal in jamaica which is one of the reasons too why it becomes such a a, a hub of uh, activity it grows rapidly due to the sugar production um but it's also a merchant uh, a hub excuse me for merchants privateers and even pirates yeah so a new community mm-hmm. raleigh formed yeah with money all around it yep is an amazing opportunity for anybody who wants to run in and exploit whatever they want or take advantage of whatever they want to make money off yeah. of all of it like during Port Royal's highest success, um, English clergymen used to call it the Sodom of the New World because the government was so lax there. <laughs> That's rock. <rocking>. So, <laughs> so, so, like, so all this wild behavior and stuff. It actually means that they have like decades of drunken <clears throat> splendor, and rum is mm. is the yeah again it's the power. Someday Michigan will be the Gomorrah of the North. <laughs> <laughs> but the I mean, this is this is the American West, right? Yeah. This is the same deal. Yeah, you've that got, idea, but like islandy. Got, yeah, but yeah. you've got indigenous people uh, overrun and exploited yeah a massive amount of natural resources a massive amount of immigration yeah and people coming in from all over the place and then another wave of people saying well i'm gonna make money off of whatever i can in this situation wow it's almost like some american whiskey sounds very similar (laughs) so but this is yeah this is awesome because this is (laughs) i mean story-wise um there there's a lot going on yeah and then now a lot of it is not awesome let's clarify but (laughs) but as far as um 
like a teaming hub for activity. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it is awesome in the in, in terms of its scale for such a small place and, and how it, drastically it changes. It does it twice. So once yeah. it's like this kind of Sodom and Gomorrah place, this hub of pirates, like lots of things going on, kind of crazy. The There's an earthquake in Jamaica and the entire uh, city actually just falls into the ground and well, into the water, excuse me, into the sea. And so when they when they rebuild the round the water the sea, all of <laughs> it is some, gone. There's some like <laughs> it just slides down. There's the like side the one the... good guy who was hanging out. The one like the like English British clergyman. He's <laughs> yeah. like, see, God, God's taking what back is his after you exploit. I don't know why his cockney accent is the only yeah, British know. accent I can I use. But he's like, see what happens. And meanwhile, everybody else is like, shut up. We figure out how to make more rum. We gotta figure out get the rum back. And then literally, we just need the rum. <laughs> Fuck everything else. Give us the rum. Yeah. Then the city sinks, and then they rebuild, and, and yeah. there's a little more structure to it after that. Right. Basically. You know, yeah. I've seen this in the classic Disney film, Pompeii. I never saw Pompeii. I just know that uh, John Snow is in it. Is that a Disney film? No. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, was I, say, I think it, that's right. Did you ever watch that movie with him where he's like he's playing like a thirty-day game of tennis or some shit? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't like tennis. I like tennis, but sorry, I'm not good everyone at it. who likes so, tennis. No yeah. idea. Moving on. All right. So, yeah, so, like a well, really bad movie. So we talk a little bit about like rum distillation techniques and types of rum produced on Jamaica. We know that sugarcane got there, how it got there, and who was making it specifically in Jamaica. So um, British colonists and then anyone else on the island who either they would have brought or who came there naturally. In 1937, islands of Jamaica and Barbados, they define rum as, quote, the spirit obtained only by alcoholic fermentation and distillation of the molasses, comma, syrups, comma, or cane sugar, of sugar cane juice, production must be carried out in such a way that the product has an aroma and flavor derived from the natural volatile elements. In a previous episode, we called them congeners, um, contained in the above materials or formed during the fermentation or distillation process of said materials, and it must be produced on the island itself. And legal definition by the islands. The yeah. sugar yeah. source will provide a major impact into taste absolutely sugar yeah. source and distillation method that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the single island rums and the rums that come from these different kinds of regions so when you're trying to examine or figure out why you like certain kinds of rum remember that it comes from colonization and distillation method introduced by colonizing country plus what type of sugarcane that you are going to use to make yeah yeah sugarcane source because again it's reiterated we've said it before but sugarcane is a grass and so much like yeah. anything else if you believe in terroir, you know the fact that certain elements of the soils, the natural resources are imbued into the grass, then you're going to get that in a flavor and it's going to differentiate from this island or that island or, yeah, mm -hmm. everything else. So, um, and If you believe in the rum fairy children, you'll say your prayers every night. Maybe a dram <laughs> will be delivered to your bedside. Every time you lose a tooth, every you, time don't, you, lose a tooth. you don't get a cordy, you just oh, get a pour of rum. Smash it and burn yeah. it. <laughs> and the rum, the rum fairy will visit you. But generally speaking, I mean, rum is also, it's a byproduct of sugar refining, which is why it follows sugar. Secondary product, yeah, which makes, yeah. Secondary which product. gives it a massive amount of opportunity in terms of profitability. Right, it's exactly. it's a secondary yeah. product. Yeah. It's, it's the... The same reason why grain alcohol, be, why excuse yeah. me, why excess grain becomes grain alcohol. It's how you preserve that grain from going off. And it's bonus. So, yeah, a wonderful, beautiful bonus it is. Yeah. So if you're the person in charge of making it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're the person who owns the process, not necessarily if you're 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then Jamaican rum is, uh, it specifically highlights molasses versus cachaça, say, that does the fresh cane juice, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And molasses has um, 81 aromatic compounds. For those who don't know, cachaça is the um, official cachaça. rum style of Brazil. Delicious. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, but a, molasses has 81 aromatic compounds. It's more than refined sugar. It's more than even the byproducts of refined sugar. So it's really, really, really imbuing a ton of added flavor to the fermentation pot. And we've mentioned it before, too. It comes off as often things like overripe banana, mango, passion fruit, fruitiness in general, and then often a funk. That funkiness. Um, yeah. Sometimes that funk can be almost like a decaying fruit uh, scent, which is not unpleasant. Like rotting fruit corpse. <laughs> or it can be drying, grassy, or spicy as well. Uh, that's an interesting thing, though. Like Jama- Jamaican rum probably carries with it more obvious, for sure, fruit yeah. notes and fruit aromas. Yet, isn't overtly sweet. No, yeah. Most of the time, but in like a, if you were to do a right. blind tasting of like five different islands rums, and there was a Jamaican rum, you should in be able there, to pick, it out, right pick it out right Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love Jamaican rum because it is so distinct, and because it does carry with it this absolute flavor and aroma that's very distinctive to to place yes yeah but i think it's a really good example and you you see this when you're teaching people about wine too a really great opportunity to divorce fruit from sugar yeah in terms of flavor yeah oh yeah like, not you can taste fruit but not taste exclusive. sugar right yeah and i have to imagine like if you were to go down to jamaica it probably smells like two things the first one weed obviously secondly probably Jamaican rum. Prejudice. <laughs> you might be right, though. Anyway, well, I hear they have good weed down there. I don't know. Bob Marley is definitely at least one heavy proponent of it. Yeah. Was. Sorry. Was. RIP Bob Marley. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. All right. So the other thing that really influences, by the way, Jamaican rum is uh, Dunder, which we discussed briefly, too. But as a recap, Dunder is, bas- is the scummy, um, excess, uh, kind of sugary muck. That forms on pot yeah, stills um, during the distillation process and even in the refining of sugar. Is this um, named after the Scranton Dunders? <laughs> Dunder All Mifflin, I know is that we were people, supposed to have a band people, called something like that. I can't remember. It's like the people, paper, something, oh, something yeah. or other. Something, that song. Paper, something company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. The Office. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch that show because I always thought Michael Scott was a little too, like, he gave me a little anxiety watching him as a character. Right. <laughs> anyway. Dunders. Dunder. Dunder is the sugar scum like molasses that I kind of described before. So um, it has a super unique flavor when combined with yeast. It also produces a high acidity. The acids themselves uh, are often what create the fruity esters that I was talking yep. about. But in the balance of the rum, you actually, you have to really have a magical form formula, excuse me, of yeast acids that bond with the alcohol molecule to make it like a beautiful fruity flavor instead of like a, uh, an off-putting. A perfect rum flavor. soup. Oh, yeah. yes. A melange of rum flavors. <laughs> yes. And esters, remember, are, are flavor components or influencers on other alcoholic beverages too, like yeah. Belgian beer, for instance, or ale in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You will taste esters at the, the warmer fermentation uh ales like english ale or, which is why or, they're you know. good at like room temperature or yeah just barely yeah. room temperature also or uh, temperature, like belgian but... wits too you really right. get in wit beers as yeah. well mm-hmm. the nice banana lots of tangerine yeah, yeah. and then mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> spring is almost here it's pretty yes. much here so that's the those types of beers are yeah. what i want right now yeah. they're Which upon us be over on soon um but uh, jamaican rum is also a typical or typically uh, excuse me is a triple distilled product or a blended distilled product of pot still and 
triple still. Column. Column, Column still, for, yeah, excuse which, me. Well, thank just, you. Just to bring it back to the things that we mentioned before. Yeah. On other shows. And, um, I mean, besides that, it's mostly what I've covered for what we've had before. The hogo is the other term that we use for that funky rum scent um, as a reminder. For which that. I so. was not aware of until I read the show notes you made for us. Boom. I've never heard the term hogo. I've not. Hogo. But yeah. you learn something um, new every day. You know? direct translation? No, you it's go. just the funky go, smell. Hogo. Oh, hogo. Hogo, oh, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a new. So, the kids are all going to be saying it now. Nobody's going to say that. Hogo. <laughs> All right. I don't have that much more to go on as far as the recapping goes. One thing that I do know is that um, Worthy Park and Hampton Estate are the only two distilleries that do exclusively pot still rum. Worthy Park and Hampton Estate. Mm -hmm. uh, Hampton Estate. Hamilton. Worthy Park. Where does Hamilton come from? Hamilton's Worthy, pot still. Uh, that's Worthy, Worthy Park, Park product? Yeah. yeah. Hamilton stuff is affordable and pretty good, yeah. but it's, it's weird dark. Funky. We right. don't actually have Hamilton on the menu right now. We've had it no, before, but yeah. it's another one that's worth seeking out. But we've covered a number of really great uh, Jamaican brands, and some of these are uh, rums that are sourced mm -hmm. and then uh, refinished under label under the sourcing company's labels. We get into a couple of those, and then other ones are direct from Jamaica labels, right? And and producers. So, yeah. which means it's time to taste. Yeah. Okay. But remember, if you're doing um, if you're doing classic cocktails, if you're doing things like zombies and Mai Tais and any of those, because if you're, if you're working on making tiki cocktails at home, which is a fun and messy and truly drunken endeavor to get into yeah. like, and have sticky stuff all over your <laughs> counter and crushed ice and like fruit gore and all that stuff trying to get it right yeah yeah <laughs> which is really cool and fun and yeah. it's summertime almost yeah. you're going to do all that but you're going to come across all these old recipes that have split bases because more rum cocktails have split bases than do primary bases and what i mean by that is if i'm going to make a manhattan i'm putting like one rye or one bourbon into it but i'm making a mai tai or a zombie i'm putting two or three rums into mm -hmm. it and the reason you're splitting your base in those cocktails is for balance and you want to balance things like super heavier sweeter rums like demerara rums with grassy earthier funky, funkier yeah. flavors yeah Spicy so say for a mai tai if you've come across a recipe that uses an ounce and a half of one rum and three quarters of an ounce of the other if you like things that are sweeter use a richer sweeter rum in the majority and use jamaican in the minority but if you're like me who really likes uh, like funkier leaner rums use more jamaican and then use something like el dorado or lemon heart um or plantation dark as the secondary rum and it's that a little bit of sweetness it's like a one and a half three quarter situation but you're flip-flopping it or because that's yeah. that's the beauty of tiki cocktails is you can really build them yeah. to taste and see what your group likes or what your what what you like you personally yeah. Like. yeah yeah or jamaican rums work well as floats or as little yeah. influencers too but i think a jamaican rum makes one of the most palatable styles of daiquiri when you're just using lime and sugar mm -hmm. and jamaican rum because it's a little bit lighter bodied it doesn't have the viscosity that some of the heavier rums do it's so nice you really feel like drink. you yeah. can drink yeah you can drink more of them and it's fun too like when I'll, I'll make like our saturday zombies after the shift and i i usually pick that cocktail because there's so many variations based on the rum that you use in it right you know? and it doesn't so matter. it tastes different every time yeah. which i think is awesome yeah and that formula is so complex that if you stick to the proportions and get those right if you're switching out rums, all you're doing is just sliding it up and down a scale. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh, that's yeah. a good word. Because like some days maybe I want my my chili to be spicier, so I add like an extra pepper. Right. But as long don't ever do chili with no beans though, because people do that. That's fucking insane. And insanity. that's meat sauce, guys. Yeah. It's not. Okay? It's not chili. Allergic. Huh? Unless you're allergic to beans, then please don't do chili with beans. You're gonna die. 
Yeah, but you're not eating chili, okay? It's like, is there? I guess you can be allergic to beans because it's the proteins, really. But yeah, I've never. I don't know. I've never met anyone who's allergic. Don't to beans. doubt it, Mark. but they're probably out there. I'm sorry We've if you're allergic to tangent, beans. Y'all. I'm sorry if you're allergic <laughs> to beans, but just I'm sorry you can't call it chili. It's a no. different kind of thing, and I'm sorry that you can't experience that. But don't. I mean, your experience a, is different. And don't it. ever put carrots in chili. You know who you uh, are. No, it wasn't you the carrots. I will. I'll, I'll allow the carrots. It was it's sweet, the potatoes. sweet potatoes. Oh yes, in the chili. Like, sweet potatoes. I like sweet potatoes yeah. in a vegan chili. That I will give it to them. Yeah, well, okay, let's blur the lines of chili even more. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Uh, I respect vegan culture, but sweet potatoes and chili. It's vegetable soup, guys. All right. So it's just we're gonna taste some minestrone. <laughs> 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 Italian wedding with no noodles. Yes, All right, yeah. so we've got five rums, and we're not going to start with the, the white rum because we'll get into why you don't start with that rum later. Uh, I think yeah. we just just start with um, the uh, the classic label. Yeah, this that is a lot a of people associate with Jamaican rum. Yeah, Appleton. Estate. Appleton. Appleton. Estate. Appleton. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I love it so much. Yep, a number of different. Uh, age statements and styles we've chosen the 12 year which i think is a good one for your home bar because you're still not spending a ton of money on it you're you're lower than 40 bucks a bottle oh yes and you can still do it as a as a rum for a cocktail but it's really nice to sip on its own as well so there's a number of reasons why this is a good rum to have at home depending on how you want to use it all right, do you want to hear a little bit about the Appleton Estate, the brand, the company, etc.? Owned now by Campari. Campari yes. Group does indeed own it. Um, this one that we're we're sipping on today, the 12-year, is 43% ABV, so alcohol by volume is what that stands for. If you prefer proof, you just double that up, so that is an 86-proof rum. Um, Appleton began production Which early. for rum is on the lower scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Appleton began production early, excuse me, they are listed as the earliest production, like some things that we've heard in the past. It might just be that they're the earliest licensed production, so that's 1749, and the beautiful, I believe it's pronounced Nassau Valley? Yes. Nassau Valley in Jamaica. Um, The location is a karst, and a karst is a a formation of land that's basically cone-like limestone. So it, it's uh, the mountains themselves, they angle in like this, and then you just swoop it all the way in. So the valley is really small, and the mountains are, like, huge and ranging. The cone is really the shape. So probably it. very pure water as well with all the limestone. Insanely yeah. pure water. Yeah, it um, has caves, underground fresh water sources. The valley's terrain naturally filters out the rainwater, producing streams of super clear, very picturesque um, liquid. They say it gives extraordinary flavor, of course, so they're growing to growing the sugarcane in said valley and their uh, unique location means that it's heavily focused on terroir. The, the company themselves are heavily focused on terroir. Over focused. 170 years of production. Yeah, yeah, that's insane, yeah. right? Yeah. No, um, no, I just lied, 270, excuse me. I, I can't do oh. math. 17, yeah, 17, yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the 12-year rare blend is what they call it. Um, it's with greatly controlled, balanced elements for depth, pungency. It's got a funky nose, rich, Big soft fruit, notes of cocoa. The body weight is exactly what you'd expect from a pot still rum. So you've got a nice heavy weight to it. Oh, yeah. Man, this is great rum. So there is that undis- undeniable Jamaican funkiness to it. But the mid palate of this is just wrapped in richness and, yeah. and sugar. It's super, super, super balanced. The finish lingers, but it is, there's nothing harsh about it at all. It's like... It's like brown sugar without having any of the syrupiness. Yep. Yeah. But that, that sugar sweetness just like envelops your tongue yep. as right. soon as you taste it. This is a perfectly balanced product. Yeah. yeah. 
and then like a nice little drying spice. In the, the good thing about end. Campari owning it is that you're definitely going to be able to find it all over, Readily. provided yeah. there's not supply chain issues because <laughs> Campari is a massive international brand and they put big money behind their products. And we know the type of support that they give bars and the type of attention that they they put towards the craft cocktail industry so appleton is going to be there when you go out to a to a reputable bar one of the cool things about appleton um that i noticed in my in my research is the um insignia so the insignia oh, yeah. on appleton it. it's really small on the rare cask bottle but you usually see it right above the appleton estate part of the label um the signature the jamaican signature that we use for mixing cocktails is the green label one you might call it that one has a bigger insignia but it's a combination of five iconic jamaican emblems at the top you find the blue maho which is in the national tree of jamaica it looks like a kind of floral bloom somewhat palmy um there are two birds flanking the middle of the insignia those are doctor birds which is the national the state bird or yeah. the national bird excuse me and Jamaica. we'll come up again in a couple minutes yeah, we'll, a minute. put, yeah, we'll put a looks, bird on it <laughs> looks a little uh hummingbird like bird. Yeah. um see the center is a combination of the buds of aki a vibrant and subtly sweet fruit and then the jamaican flags cross is up right above that as well and um, so unlike the cross of the flag of england it's more like the cross of the flag of Scotland so mm. on, the, on its bias. And if you can find these items and bring them to a certain cave at a certain yes. point in the yes. day at sunset yes. The spirit world will open in I front of you. I like my nerdy fun facts. I think it's really great. No, I, I'm surprised in your facts. <laughs> you did. telling you what you Listen, do. I did a little bit more research on, on some darker corners of the web, and there's some Black magic hat. associated with these things in That's a certain cave. Yeah. And you could get there also by drinking a lot of this rum. And then you can also see what that cave is. Oh, you'll sure. get somewhere by drinking a lot of yeah. this rum, that's for sure. Um, John's like last... Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If I were a Buffy character, I'd be Willow. <laughs> All right. The last insignia, just because I haven't mentioned it yet, is the Lignum Vitae or the Wood of Life. So it's the tree uh, made with, that, excuse me, uses powerful medicinal properties. And all of this, Appleton, uh, is made at the New Yarmouth Estate. Um, and their master blender, Joy Spence, uh, was the first female blender of rum in 1997, and she still produces their rum now and does insanely wild and amazing things. Yeah. I would look up her. Yep, and we've got we've got white unaged rum from them. We've got non-aged statement, uh, like blended dark rum, which is their basic cocktail rum. We've got eight-year, 12-year, 15, 21-year age statements that I've seen mm -hmm. across the bar over the last couple of years. Everything is good. Okay. Every single yeah. one. We just got that 15 time. in the last week or two weeks ago. It's great. Yeah. It's great. So I, we spend a lot of time on Appleton. We spend a lot of time on Appleton in our cocktails. We spend a lot of time pouring Appleton and talking about it because its versatility and balance is so good Oh yeah, that it is, I think, one of the two or three labels of rum that you should probably buy right away if you're starting to stock your bar. And like, we're not famous mm -hmm. or, or or a big deal enough for Appleton to pay us a lick to say this. We just really like Appleton. But if you want to, Appleton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Currently we'll, not promotion. Yeah, yeah. This is, we don't get not paid anything for this. <laughs> so uh, we just are talking about brands that we like because we work with them. Yeah. I would say now thinking about it, Appleton is probably the rum we pour the most in this bar other than maybe like Lemonheart or something, but probably. Yeah. yeah. I'd say Demerara and Spanish are kind of, you know, it, par and par but i'd say appleton is above them well it depends on who you're making it for right or what, what you're making because I, with yeah. with jamaican rum you have to kind of pull your punch sometimes yeah but mm -hmm. i i mean if i've got a mojito drinker and they've never had a queen's park swizzle i'm pulling a bottle oh appleton my and God. Making them right away. for sure yeah. that makes sense yeah the queen's park swizzle swizzle me timbers so delicious mm -hmm. it's basically just a daiquiri with mint but swizzle yeah or darker mojito with no uh no bubbles <laughs> okay and, and bitters six of one 
know. I like to think of my new cocktail as, a, as not, a, not an old-fashioned riff, but more of like a reframed sure. old-fashioned yeah. where I've taken none of the elements of the drink, but <laughs> I, I'm adopting the spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's the vibe of, of my the mood yeah, when I make yeah, them. I yeah. look forward to your book. Thank you for your TED Talk. And then at the end, I smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> smoke it. And I garnish the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cherries, oranges, mint. Mm -hmm. But people do love the garnish, though. Eggshell, yeah. egg yolk, egg white, yeah. rotten egg. I think you've gone a step too far. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Dr. Bird. Okay. Let's talk about him. All right, so Dr. Which, Bird. Which well, this this is cool because it's got a local association. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a local association. We just talked about Dr. Bird as in the bird, the national bird of Jamaica. Um, but this is made in uh, Jolly Old Michigan. It's made in Corktown. Do we say made or finished? It's I should finished. say finished. Because they right. do source distillate. Yeah. It, it is, is purchased by the two James Distillery. That's right. And then finished in uh, Muscatel. Yes, Barrels, yeah. right? Correct. Yeah. So it takes a um, six-year-older uh, rum from Worthy Park and finishes it in Muscatel Sherry Casks. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, this local name has committed themselves to producing high-quality and environment environmentally conscious spirits. Excuse my weird accent there. Uh, but since sugarcane is not readily available as a crop in Michigan, most sugar here is from beets. They have to source it from Worthy Park. Um, it's a Jamaican style of rum uh, created with high ester as oh, excuse me. This is a quote from them as a high ester bomb of incredible length and complexity. <laughs> yeah, uh, th their words, but I would agree with it. Um, I get strong flavors of pineapple, mango, passion fruit, coconut and butterscotch before leading into a very heady and hot, long lasting funk. Right. And when this came out four or five years ago. It's like all of a sudden every craft Super cocktail bar who scotch. liked it had some sort of cocktail on their menu with the word funk in it. Yeah. Because yeah. this rum is, yeah, it's super, super strange. The the high esters, uh, the high acidic esters and just the natural way that Jamaican rum tastes along with this aging in this particular type of sherry cask has help, created yeah. a rum that is almost undeniable aromatically. In, in any kind of cocktail, you know when Dr. Bird has been placed. It's almost as easily identifiable as to me, Smith and Cross is the same thing. If you put a yep. little too much in there, that's the only thing I taste. Yep. But when you even put a little bit in there, I'm Holy like, there's Smith and Cross yeah. in this. That nose is much more aggressive than the Appleton is. Yes, it that's is. Sure. <laughs> yes, it is. So, and while this is 100 proof too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is 100 proof. Yeah. 50, 86. 86. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it makes different. sense. Yeah. So, and lighter. And much lighter. Mm -hmm. Much Well, because the Sherry Cast finished. Yeah, exactly. And remember, there's there's a lot of different ways to make bottled spirit. Sourcing your distillate is not a bad thing. It you then have the responsibility, however, in terms of how you age it, how you blend it, what you do with it, to to still put out a, a drinkable product. Because sourcing is a really big argument, mostly with like bourbon and, and yeah. rye heads and stuff like that, and sometimes even scotch. Like there are people who try to argue to me that compass box is not good because they're not sourcing their own. Well, materials. they're wrong. First of all, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> In for a long discussion. Anyway, yeah, but when it comes to Dr. Bird too, it's. It, they describe it right in the little kind of snippet that I was researching. Now. Side they note: just That's know. an episode that we should do at some point. MGP it's versus just, like, we could just do MGP versus sourcing. Well, just, yeah, I was thinking just do all Compass Box. Oh well, like, talk yeah. about Compass Box. Just talk excuse about to drink we Compass just Box. Three <laughs> podcasts no in one problem. time. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's not expensive or anything. <laughs> I'll just be in the corner in that episode, just saying it's good, it's good. every time that somebody references <laughs> anything um, to deal with their product. Drinking this uh, Doctor Bird, it makes me want to taste Muscatel by itself because I never have. Mm, it's good, and I want to see how it impacts the flavor. 
I would love to try like the base rum. Yeah. Of this before the Muscatel aging part. and Muscatel. Yeah. 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 yeah because those things come together to create this. And this yeah. is, is very, very distinct. And it's so strange because you get so much fruit and so much like banana peel and tropical fruit. And like you said, I, I agree oh, with Pineapple cocoa. for banana sure. Banana foster. Yeah. Smell that and don't tell me you smell, don't smell bananas foster. Don't tell me what to tell you I don't smell. I smell the <laughs> I smell the impatience that I have for service staff making banana foster at my table. Get on with it. Put the fire out. Oh, dude. Y'all want to hear a fun fact about Two James? Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Two James was the first licensed distillery in Detroit post prohibition. I knew that one. Wow. Yeah. They told me on the tour. Oh. Oh. How is that tour? Uh, well, I, I did it with the Bartenders Guild, and we were. Um, enthusiastic and a little hopped up before we went on the tour so it was so great. real good yeah it was great <laughs> and then we hang out in the bar afterwards nice. they're, uh, not that it's related to jamaican rum but their new spot super guile is really really cool i really What's enjoyed it, it. Super, super guile yeah so super guile is yeah it's two james yeah and it's like right across the street well kitty corner. it is um it's like uh a very hungarian eastern european like balkan food um, Turkish. Hungarian, influence. German, we actually had marriage. one of their one of their uh, uh, bartenders in uh, the other week. He was a super nice oh, guy. He sat right on that corner. Quite a while. No, he sat down here. Oh. Sat down by this. Okay, by I the, thought I recognized him, but I never talked to you. About he was it, super nice. nice. Yeah. So, what is like Turkish food? Is it a lot of like sausages? Or... It's like spice heavy, like harissa mm -hmm. spices, that yep. kind of okay. idea, right. and then um, yeah, cooked stewed meats or, or kebab style meats and stuff like that all together okay. too. Like they have a their donors are basically a marriage between a German donor and a Turkish donor. Yep. Yeah. All right. Good food. Skewing Sounds meat. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Dr. Bird, that was great. Very specific. Uh very, very cool. This is a rum that not everybody will like. It is hard to get That's your true. head around how completely alien it can taste to your palate. But Honestly, if you have patience with it and you're willing to put it in as a contributing rum, not the base rum necessarily, but a contributing rum in a cocktail, yeah. you'll be rewarded with depth yeah. in that drink that like very few other rums taste. And literally like every sip I had from that tasted different. I was getting different things from oh, it. Oh, yeah. Super like complex and yeah. Yeah, it was great. Real good stuff. Where's our time at, Mark? Do we have time for three more rums? We do. We're at 37 minutes. How but fun. Like two, three minutes of this beforehand was just us. Fucking around. You know what? That's gold. Okay. It is. Yeah. That's that's mixtape gold. Jonathan Cole uses those. I know so. he does. All right. So the next one is from Plantation. And Plantation yeah. is a little bit bigger of a story. We gotta let's just tell people what Plantation is in general from Maison Ferrand because we've got a there's a there's a bigger yeah. scope to this company. So I mean, generally speaking, Plantation is a pretty well-known rum brand, especially for bartenders and rum enthusiasts. It's headed by Alexandra Gabriel. I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely throwing some airs onto that, but it's under the Maison Front house. So it's the whole picture. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. um, Where's Chase at? I know. Sorry, Alex. God bless him. So, being based in France, a good deal of their aging and secondary cask finishing is in cognac barrels, um, Jamaica, but it's spelled on the bottle quite differently. Um, is exclusively Jamaican rum, although a good deal of plantation rum is blended between a few islands. Trinidad yeah. is a big player. Yeah, Trinidad, Peru, and Barbados, Barbados. are huge players. Yep. Um, it's called, Barbados. so Jamaica, but spelling is 
uh, X, A Y M A C A. It comes from the old Arwak term for Jamaica, and the Arwaks would have been would have been the first inhabitants of the island of Jamaica. Yes, yeah. Arwaks, not Ewoks. Ewoks never went to Jamaica and have no, no term for it. No, no. Oh, they wouldn't be able to handle it there. They're way too fuzzy. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One would, one would imagine they don't sweat, so they would no. probably be in bad shape. No. Yeah. yeah. They actually sweat out of their eyes. <laughs> Oh, so not dark tears. Those are not tears. Anyway, the Roman Can we just start? The rest of the episode is us just making Star Wars noises. <laughs> yeah. But Plantation Jamaica is is definitely drier. You can totally taste the cognac barrel influence. Um, pineapple and overripe banana again are there, which is constant in Jamaican rums. Um, I tasted some guava and marzipan the last time I had this. And then it's made from a blend of Long Pond and Clarendon Pot Still rums. The oldest rum in that bottle is 17 years, but there is younger rum blended in there as well. All of their blend notes are in the very back. It's similar to the way that Compass Box does it too. They're um, getting more transparent every year. Yeah, so this is an older bottling. So the last yeah. the last year had even more. Right. I remember when we first right. when we first got this from. We were sitting down to a lunch of guava and marzipan, and um, you <laughs> and I tasted I said, this and kind of read through Whoa. it. Oh, <laughs> dude, exactly like that. I know. I love yeah. it when you bring that in. Yeah, it's great. But I mean, in the last few um, few releases, we've seen a better <laughs> yeah. breakdown in terms of how they were aging in each cask. Right. Yeah. Is that the forty two percent one mark just off the top of ABV? This is that's lower. what I took my notes from, so I wasn't forty-three sure. percent. Yeah. Oh, so it might be similarly different. It might be we've had a couple bottles run through. So last time I had it, the bottle that's currently up on our bar has like maybe a quarter ounce. In Plantation it, so. Island single island bottlings have included um, vintage stuff from Trinidad, Barbados, Peru, mm -hmm. Panama, Fuji, Fiji, excuse me, uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. A number of interesting things. And Maison Front is a big house. They make a lot of cognac. They make great gin in Citadel. They make Curacao. And they have a lot of spending power. And they're able to source really, really great product from all the islands. And then yeah. finish them in whatever cast they deem necessary. And this they're... Smell. Maison Front, like Campari, like... Um, Diageo, like it's just the fact that they span so wide means that they can bring influences from so many other things at yep. the same time too, which I find fascinating. Yep, their bottles are cool. We don't get a lot of them. We get you know two, one or two, three bottles of everything that gets released. But if you're into sipping rum, definitely come in and try some of their stuff, or you know find it at your store because it's very cool. And it's these releases. I think you made the reference earlier to Compass Box. These are starting to. Feel like along with Foursquare, the compass box of rums. It's for, it's for rum nerds. Yeah, yep. Foursquare is a good one, but they just they don't produce out of. Jamaica. This is all like they're all Barbados. Yeah, yeah. The nose on this we'll is all there. like yeah. butterscotch and treacle, as some would say. That's yeah. It does smell like favorite. golden syrup to me. But also, yeah. there's a really nice like woody note to it on the nose that I think you get from the extra aging. Yeah, that's the crazy. I just yeah. got that. Ooh, it's super. Cool. Yeah, that's the crazy. Back of the you guys haven't had a sip yet. Like a Rickhouse would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Rickhouse reference. We just came back from Kentucky. We did come back from Kentucky. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned for Elijah Craig. Stay Barrel tuned. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't tell people what it was, boom. Spoiler alert. I, I told most everybody people, the most bar. People okay, know. good. I was gonna say I've been talking to people about it at the bar for the last four weeks. So no, and on social media, I didn't put what it's about, but I, it'll probably know this week. All right, spoiler. Alert for so those comparing who don't it know. to the two that we tried before, this has got a lot more lift. It's it's yes, very sure. very mellow yeah. on the mid palate. It lifts up a lot. It's got a brightness to it. It's playful. It's very very easy to drink. 
I get a lot of the leather and oil notes after having tasted the sip of it, the first sip of it. Mm -hmm. It's still really, really light and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it's great. And this is a this is an extremely accessible Jamaican rum to get into. If you're new to Jamaican rum or aren't sure how to how to approach it, if you can find some of this, this is a great way yeah. to start. And but if you also, like cognac too, it's yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's that rum. that wrapped vanilla like brandy style finish from the yeah. barrel is yeah. it's here too. Because it doesn't have like that. a you're right. It doesn't have like a weighty like sugary finish. No. It dries no. out really right. beautifully. And that's that's what cognac does. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Me too. All right. Next one I have on our list. I feel like I feel like oh. the first three we've been noodling around on a beach with an acoustic guitar, like like a Jack Johnson <laughs> song. And now these next two are just gonna be shredders, man. These next two rums are big. Big rums. We so, went from Wonderwall to Through the Fire and Flames. Uh, <laughs> Wonderwall. Sometimes, yeah. oh, sorry for the tail end of that really high pitched laugh. Um, <laughs> I didn't even hear it the, <laughs> at all. Watch Jonathan Cole like in the editing and just be like, hey, <laughs> 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 really deep. <laughs> so I I've randomly put these in alphabetical order. It's not random. It's completely um, structured, but I put them in alphabetical order. They happen so to completely be the opposite of what you just said. <laughs> the only one that's out of place. everything as it should be. Everything the way it must be. Oh, no, like, no. Um, the only one that's out of place proof-wise is Dr. Bird. So if you switch Dr. Bird in uh, Plantation Jamaica around, they'd be You'd in go proof, up in proof order. Yeah. So your next one is Smith & Cross. It's 57% <laughs> ABV or alcohol by volume, which Our makes sweet it Sweet baby Smith & Cross. Um, she, a, she a big old girl. Yeah, she is. Uh, this is produced, like I said um, very briefly earlier, it's produced by the Hampton Estate uh, brand. It's 100% Jamaican pot still, high ester rum, one of the heaviest pot still rums available on the market. And it's meant to be reminiscent of the 19th century style. So they're yep. going back and kind of taking those old, not necessarily mash bills, but yeah, the the production style. Right. That's if you read the Wondrich book or you're going to read the Wondrich book based on our podcast or you've just heard about David Wondrich and you want to read his stuff, in Imbibe, he is trying his best to tell you how to make these old recipes as True. as Jerry Thomas yeah. would have made them. And one of the terms that he uses over and over and over again is pirate rum. And what he <laughs> means is the style of rum that, that was available then. Yeah. Much more aggressive, much more broad-shouldered, they're using wild yeast in the fermentation, yeah. which uh, we recently got an Ardbeg that uses wild fermentation and definitely brings <laughs> a lot of nuts. really weird and interesting yeah. fermentation. Yeah, yeah. Ardbeg, thanks for fermentation. It's the weirdest thing I've tasted all year, and it's wonderful. Oh, it's really interesting. That's a, that's a front runner already for whiskey of the year, and it's only March. Yeah. The but Dunder Oh, sorry. No, sorry. If you're looking to do the pirate rum cocktails, according to Wondrich, this is the one to use. That's definitely the yeah, one Go to get use. Smith & yeah. Cross tomorrow and use that. Why is it pirate rum? Well, it's wild fermentated. Fermented? Fermented. Fermented. <laughs> I have a degree. Um, <laughs> the Dunder. I have none. <laughs> Your mom went to college. <laughs> the Dunder Nicole, used in the yeah. process is open air concentrated. So it actually produces a ton more funk because of it. And this thick rum is referred to as Wedderburn. Thick with two C's, yeah? Thick yeah. with two C's. <laughs> thick. It's uh, referred to as Wedderburn. Uh, it's aged for six months and blended in roughly equal parts to a more medium bod body, which they call plumber rum. Um, and aged again for 18 months to three years in X bourbon barrels. You're going to get a ton of vanilla and a little bit of <laughs> Your face fully after you smell that, you're just like, black yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I do. I do. It's just I like approve. so natural. You're just like, yeah. I approve. I, I discovered this. Uh, so this is part of the House Alpens portfolio. So I discovered this, oh, my God, maybe 15 years ago because when the Bartenders Guild first got their um, 
their chapter going in Michigan. I think House Alpins was one of the first like groups that we had come out to do oh, nice. like an educational tasting and they had everything. I mean, it was, it was nuts too. It was at the sugar house and they just had everything on the bar yeah. and they gave a little speech about all of it. And it was just like, go around and pour whatever right, you want. So, fun. you know, there's people goofing around with vermouth and then they had all this <laughs> stuff at the end and we're drinking banal and we're drinking, um, all this great Amaro and Nux Alpina and like all this great yes. product. And, uh, I hit Smith and Cross at the end and then I just kind of stayed at that end of the bar, you know, and eventually I had to go across the street to Mercury and get a burger because I really needed. <laughs> yeah, you're not driving anywhere quick after right, that. No, but I was enamored by it because uh, of just the pure balance and power that it's it has. In, it's intense. Like, yeah, but it's like one of those intense sessions that afterwards you're just like, all right, yeah, I like that. So like we that see this all the time with Scotch drinkers or bourbon drinkers who drink Scotch, right? They they are coming in here drinking all manner of super overproof. Uh, cast strength bourbon at 125 proof or what but have still you. Sweetie boys. Very, very sugary, very sweet. And then they drink some sort of like 90 proof peated scotch. Like, oh my God. You know, they don't want like, yes. it. And it's, it's because, it's not because just of the peat, but it's because of, of barley and peated yeah. whiskey and it's yeah, a barley less sweetness. Yeah, corn or corn to, corn to barley for some people is very hard. Right. So they drink it like, eh, fit. I don't yeah. like it. But <laughs> they. <laughs> <laughs> they it's because not just of of peat or proof differential it's all of that wrapped into one thing and it's very very alien when, it, yeah. when they taste it smith and cross can be like that because just, it's yeah. jamaican yeah. Yeah. style it's it's esters it's yeast it's acidity and it's the proof and it's that difference between that whatever and that wild fermentation all those things yeah. that we just said versus the plumber rum so those are old terms to describe basically rum that's produced now is plumber style or closer to a plumber style of rum and smith and cross is like <laughs> no. sucks to that i'm gonna at least blend it in with some whatever yeah yeah. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever uh, smelled mink oil? Like, have I ever killed a mink and squeezed its oil out of it and then smelt it? <laughs> if no. that's the only way you've come across it. Is okay. there any other way? <laughs> mink, mink oil you can find in like a lot of older style perfumes where it's like you just need a little drop and you kind of rub it through and it's viscous. Um, it, I smell mink oil and taste it a lot too. Or oily, kind of rich, perfumey points. Um, camphor is another one that Booms, you never cease to amaze me. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's I love that reference. You're such a majestic creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's also nutty. Like, I taste nutty, chestnutty almost. Yeah. 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 And rich, dank fruit. And it's yeah. got this, it's got this kind of like viscous power on the back end that's really, really interesting. It sticks around forever. Oh, yeah. The alcohol play is like just aggressive and spicy. And My throat is so warm. I feel like I just had a toddy. Yeah. This is a, this is a hell of a cocktail rum. rum. And if you can drink it on its own, then you'll, I mean, if you can cultivate a way to, to get your palate around drinking it on its own, it's very rewarding, Yeah, but you don't mm -hmm. need much of it. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely powerful. As a quick recap too. So Smith and Cross's Navy rum. We talked about this before. Yeah. Navy strength refers to the 57% ABV or 114 proof stipulated as a requirement for all spirits to be carried on the British Royal Navy ships. If it gets on the gunpowder, it'll still light versus uh, just Navy rum. So, like, um, there's some rums that are called Navy rum because it's they were identified as a, a supplier to the British one. So, so reading this. Right. So, but like normal pussers, you don't want – if you want the Navy pussers, you want you the, what the they call gunpowder proof. proof. Yeah. yeah. My thought about this was why would they want a rum that was flammable on the ship? They would want they to drink their rum. When and they if they spill something, they still might want to defend themselves. I get, but don't you feel like you would want a lower proof rum that wouldn't set on fire? 
No, no, they're not worried about they're not worried about exploding their ship. They're worried, they're worried about, about fighting the alternate. Okay, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah because all of a sudden they had their priorities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You've heard about the pirates. The pirate. Nah, you've heard about the pirate captain. Just put it out in yeah. a barrel. You've heard about the pirate captain oh, in his red shirt and his brown pants, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 Maybe got we'll it. tell the joke in the in, at the end, and Jonathan can use it. But yes. uh, so here, look it up for real. Like you're drinking, you're drinking, you're hanging out. All of a sudden, whoa, pirate! Another ship comes. We need to use our weapons. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have. You know, if if Angus or Nigel spilled rum on the gunpowder, you need to be able to still light it. You're done. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Also, too, talking about um, Smith and Cross, if you watched, was it our last, episode? maybe two episodes ago when we did the Negroni at the end, the Kingston there was Negroni. a variation oh. called a Kingston oh, Negroni, a which really good. I've messed around with a couple different rums and vermouths for it. And I yep. found that really the, o- the one and only best way to make it, in my opinion, is Smith and Cross and Carpano Antica. Because so, that's yeah, a softer the older, yeah. 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 Okay. Older so you swap in the Smith and Cross instead of the gin and Carpano, you get the same. But yeah, it's a, a fun little riff on the Negroni, yeah. I think. All right, let's wrap it up with some pure Woo! Jamaican Fire! lightning. Woo! I'm yeah. so excited to work after this podcast. I have <laughs> taken sips out of all of them about a quarter ounce each. Yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, we can take we, a nap or have didn't. a little pad tie or something. I'm going to go walk the dog. Okay. We didn't yeah. think ahead and get a dump tin, so whatever we've poured, yeah, we've you had guys to drink. drink at all. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you know, it's a tough job, but I've been keeping it together. I, this is the first rum episode that I didn't drink a zombie. Oh yeah, yeah, you drank the zombie in true. both the previous yeah. episodes. All right, I well, still have that look about him. <laughs> okay, let's talk Ray about Ray and nephew. Also owned by Campari. Also owned by Campari. Yeah. Yep, and uh, sold also in Nassau. Yep. Uh, at, the, at the same uh, Appleton Estate. This is the only unaged rum that we or, have in our lineup right now. Excuse me. That's the New Yarmouth distillery. New Yarmouth. But they're both located in that same valley. So mm. um, it is 63% ABV. So that is 126 proof. for those playing at home. So it gets the, the moniker overproof instead of Navy. Guaranteed full strength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it's owned by the Campari Group, made at New Yarmouth in Nassau Valley. Its founder is a Scotsman named Charles John Ray. He emigrated to Jamaica in the early 1800s, opened the Shakespeare Tavern in 1825, and uh, in, it was in Kensington. His rum at the tavern became so popular that he started mass, mass producing it with basically other people who were coming to the bar, thought it was great, and was just decided to be an investor, if you will. Um, Imagine that back in the day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. I will give more. you money so yeah. you can put it into the world. Yeah. Uh, his nephew also. So his, his nephew that's, still who's unnamed, this poor kid. No, it's Charles James Ward. Oh, well, it's not Ray and, it's not Ray and Chuck. No, it's Charles John Ray and his nephew, Charles James Ward. Fine. Um, Touche. That's why it's called Ray and Nephew. It's still being produced in Jamaica today. Every time I do a shout of Ray and Nephew from the rest of my life, I'm just going to say, to Chuck. (laughs) So besides being drunk, it's also used as a medicine, hair tonic, and is used in many religious ceremonies in Jamaica. It holds the traditional colors of Jamaica, so that bright yellow and the dark green. Yeah, when I first started working here and I saw this label, my thought was it's super is, cheap. I thought it was super cheap. Yep, it booze, is. But then I tasted it and I was like, it oh, looks like very affordable label right. style. Yeah. yeah. So the Rand Nephew label hasn't changed ever. It's just it seems like it's, it's very, it's a very 60s, 70s label. It's it's bright yellow and a little bit green. It's 126 proof. It's extremely affordable. And this stuff will absolutely change the dynamic of a cocktail even down to the quarter ounce yeah yeah it is lightning and it's got a ton of jamaican character yet no barrel aging 
Correct. So it's uh, unlike some white rums that are filtered through charcoal to remove its color. It's not cask aged, which makes it naturally clear and stuff. Yep. Turn it's, me on, dead man. It's almost like coming right off the pot. It's probably distilled down a little bit. I want bit, less than but, that. Or That's excuse good. me, diluted <laughs> down a little bit. Um, it's also much more flavorful, has greater complexity than your average white rum. There. <laughs> it's, uh, it's dry and grassy. I taste violets. When I taste this rum, I get violets, which is a very interesting flavor to me, while still tasting fruity. So banana, black currant. It's it's a little more close there to like a, a Martinique rum or a cachaça. I, I found it. Yeah. I, I found the um, the religious uh, ceremony thing interesting because it is so strong, and it is it does have the ability that it can be set aflame. Oh yeah. Um, I oh, I didn't delve any deeper. Did you? I did not know, but oh, just just the picturing. the very idea of what this what this spirit is, and how it could be used is, mm -hmm. is kind of fascinating. Like I would love to go into a history of just how Ray and Nephew was used in that particular way. I'm not gonna lie. If you ever uh, had the ability to do it and wanted to do a tour in Jamaica, so a, cool. a rum tour in Let's Jamaica, go. yeah, John Ellis will do the the background into the the weird, cool campfire rituals that you guys go to uh, at the same time. It's fascinating stuff, and I I have been extremely interested in Ray and Nephew because its possibilities are endless because it can really lift or change a cocktail dramatically, but it's also so very dangerous in terms of how strong. Oh, yeah. how strong but it it's is. so subtle drinking it by itself, like yep. flavor wise, very yeah. elegant. Well, and that's and that's the thing, right? It's super strong, but it doesn't it doesn't always drink that no, way yeah. in a cocktail, yeah. and it can make things thus very, the, very interesting. Thus yeah. the rum train. Yeah. Just so cool and fickle, mistress. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to sneaky drink something strong, just be like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm just having an easy night. I'm just drinking the clear stuff. Hey. <laughs> I'll have a Ray and Nephew daiquiri. Ray or and Nephew mojitos, a... baby. Oh, my God. That would be one hell of a mojito. I've never done that. Let's do it. We'll do it on Saturday. This is going to lead a little bit into my fun fact. So ready, set, fun fact. Fun fact. Ray and Ting is the number one ordered drink in Jamaica, and it is a combination of Ray and Nephew rum as a highball with Ting grapefruit soda. I've never had Ting grapefruit soda, but I immediately want a case right now. We have some Doritos. Is it similar there. to but is it, Yeah, Tang? is it similar, similar to Doritos? It's going to be close enough to taste us it for now until we get some Ting. Done and done. Right. Ray and Nephew. I actually have Ray and Nephew shoes. I have Do a Ray and Nephew I have Ray and Nephew boaters. I have, I have the same jacket. Yeah. I have a Ray and Nephew shirt. Yeah, well, my boaters are awesome. They're great. You know what, Are they yellow? Every really time, <laughs> yellow gonna... and green. Every time I wear them in public, Andrew's just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Peggy's like, really cool shoes, Dad. <laughs> Peggy wants those when she's she does. big enough. She 100% does. Well, Ray and Nephew, luckily for you guys listening who might be interested in our enthusiasm, and it is a very affordable product. It's low 20s uh, by the bottle. It's available everywhere, yeah, mostly because I think a lot of people don't buy it because they're truly scared of it. Yeah. Like what in what I mean, God's name is this stuff for? If you don't for? know anything about it, it, you see 120 something proof rum right. on the shelf. You're like, Ooh, this stuff is, however, not just for making bad decisions with. It's nuanced, it's gorgeous in flavor, and it's ultimately kind of silky on the palate, even though it is very strong. Yeah. So, it's delicious. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're nearing up on that time. Yeah, the rum train, the rum to train to, uh... to Jamaica is. is, is Pulling into the station. Yes, yes. It looks like pop. Booms has something yeah, she wants say, to bring up. Yeah, uh, we've talked about this book before, but this is the first time we've had it on camera. So Very Animal problematic book. Rum by Wayne Curtis. It's uh, it's interesting. It's got things that need to probably be updated. Even though it's it a good researcher, but he is not necessarily a good writer, in my opinion. But some of the information the there of was rum. interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, half, I half loved that book and half hated it when I read it the last time, and I'm going to have to read it again. But I, I, I became very frustrated with how 
easily he shrugged off certain aspects yeah, of culture and deeper. cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, very much a he's a history guy, not a drinks guy. Give it a go. And then this is oh, sorry, microphone. Um <laughs> this is the one that we've talked about a lot before too, but again, I didn't have it when we had it. So that's your one on one book. That's the that's the first book you buy. By David Broom. David yeah. Broom has, or Dave, excuse me, Broom has gin, rum, and whiskey as a trifecta as a set. I assume he's working on agave and the other things at this moment. He's UK and doesn't care yeah. about agave. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one to buy, which we don't have up here, is the Smuggler's Cove book out of San Francisco. That's this cool. is more of a cocktail-centric book. It's from the, the perspective of people who own a bar and do tiki cocktails. But just the use and, and application of Jamaican rum that's throughout that book is invaluable. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of it, yeah. Yeah, it's great. 10 book. out of 10, would recommend. Yep. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap it up. Um... Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, be sure to check out all of our social medias on Facebook. We're the Relief and Resource Company. Instagram, Relief and Resource Co. Twitter is Relief underscore Resource. Yep. And yeah. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode where we tackle the mystical and wonderful chartreuse. Yes. Ooh. Monks. Cheers, everyone. Monks. Cheers, guys. So pirate captain, he's extremely respected. He's on the deck. He's hanging out. It's been weeks of peace. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, he sees a ship on the horizon. He identifies them as an enemy, and he says, Arr, to his first mate, go get me a red shirt. He goes and gets his red shirt. He prepares for battle. They battle. Everything is fine. They're drinking rum, campfire. Everything's great. They've... they've Plundered? Plundered? They have plundered the, the other ship. There's lots of booty. Plundered and pillaged. Yep. Mm -hmm. Pillaged, yes. And so another two weeks go by, and two ships are on the horizon. And the captain goes, Arr, get me me a red shirt. And they battle, and they win again. And that night, the first mate asks him, Sir, why, whenever we're about to go into battle, do you ask for your red shirt? He says, ah, I'll tell you. For if I'm cut... None of me mates will see me bleeding. And his first mate says, no, wow, that's, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is amazing. He gains a new respect for his captain. And so a couple weeks later, five ships on the horizon. And the captain, calm as ever, calls his first mate. And his first mate says, do you want your red shirt? And he says, no, bring me me brown pants. <laughs> His crew see him shit himself. Poop jokes. <laughs> Me I too. Can if I start with one and then wait quite a while. We're vaping. We're vaping. We're procrastinating. We're master debating. <laughs> that goddamn bitch, <laughs> that Carol Baskin. <laughs>